Hey, this is Beth Nelson. I serve as the lead pastor at Prairie Heights Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today. I hope this motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message. What's up, Prairie Heights? It is great to be with all of you this morning. The question I want to ask is how many of you were prepared for there to be snow on the ground when you woke up? Nobody? Anybody? Raise a hand. No, I definitely wasn't. Well, hey, I'm glad that you're here on this nice, somewhat beautiful, cold and snowy, chilly morning, but we're all in here warming up together. Uh, I do hope that you had a great Thanksgiving week with family and friends and football and lots and lots of food. And so before we get started, I do want to kind of start off with a survey. All right, by a showing of hands, I want to kind of just gauge what your favorite thing is to eat when it comes to Thanksgiving. So if you're a mashed potato person, raise your hand. Okay, nice. Uh, what about stuffing? Ooh. Okay, we got a dark horse, macaroni and cheese. Anybody just show up to the table for the bread? Okay, I'm just realizing we're having you guys raise your hand a lot this morning. Hey, awesome. Uh, a little work out there. But uh, if you're in the chat, if you're watching online, we do want to know what you like to eat for Thanksgiving. So yeah, drop in the chat with your answer. Uh, but guess what, guys? There's actually a right answer to that survey. Want to know what it is? Anything other than cranberry sauce. Anything. I'll take anything. And my wife, that's one of her favorite things. She's probably rolling her eyes over there. Uh, it doesn't belong on the table. I'm sorry. Uh, no thank you. But no offense to those who uh, enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm glad to be up here in case we've never met before. My name is Cody White. I am the spiritual growth pastor here at Prairie Heights. And I'm excited. I'm pumped up to be able to share what God has laid on my heart, especially as we wrap up our Everyday Armor series. And for the last two months, We've really been taking a look, been talking about what it looks like for us to arm ourselves, to equip ourselves with the spiritual armor that God gives us through our relationship with Jesus Christ. It is that armor, it's that armor that allows us to fight back against the schemes of Satan every single day. And for the past two months, for the last six weeks, we've been talking about uh, individual pieces that we can wear. It's the belt of truth that allows us to see through the lies of the enemy. It's the breastplate of righteousness that guards our hearts. It's the shoes of the gospel that brings peace into our lives. The shield of faith that allows us to put our assurance and our trust in Jesus. It is the helmet of, of salvation that protects our minds. And as we learned last week, it is a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God that allows us to fight back. Six pieces that we wear as we fight against the enemy every single day in the spiritual battles that we face. Six pieces of armor. But what if I told you that armoring ourselves up with those six pieces of armor just isn't enough? That it just isn't enough? Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that what we've learned up in the last six weeks really have been incorrect or somehow fallen short. No, what I mean is what if there's something else that God gives us that really brings strength, full strength to this armor? That there's something we can do alongside the armor that holds these pieces of armor together in a way where we are much more effective against the schemes of the enemy. The doubt, the disengagement, the distraction, and the division amongst other things. What I'm talking about is what I'm talking about is prayer. 
It's prayer. But when I say that, I'll let you in on a little confession. When it comes to the armor that I put on, prayer is often my biggest weakness. Let me explain. In our home, we have a nightly rhythm when it comes to putting our boys to bed. And I'll tell you this, my wife is a lot better in, in, in that rhythm than I am, okay? Just totally admit. But we have a rhythm with our three boys, Asher, who's 10, Lincoln, who's six, and Rowan, who's four. So you can just imagine putting three boys to bed every single night is chaos. It is madness. It is a circus pretty much every single night. But we've got that rhythm locked down. It usually starts with uh, baths and showers. Then we make our way downstairs, kind of into the same space where we tidy up some rooms. The lunches are made. Clothes are usually set out uh, for the day uh, to come. Usually my responsibility is feeding all of our pets, which we have a lot of. Uh, We've got a lot of geckos and a lot of frogs, so that usually takes about 30 minutes to three hours, depending on, you know, the time. But once that's done, we kind of make our way into bedrooms where there's reading of a story. My wife, they usually want snuggles from her, no snuggles from dad sometimes, maybe. If if I, I would say they're lucky, but if I'm lucky. But we close it up with prayer. We close it up with prayer. And this is a rhythm we've been doing, we've been in for the last 10 years since our oldest Asher's been born. But my confession is this. When the enemy's attacking me, I don't make it downstairs for prayer. And prayer is the most important part of that rhythm. We can skip all the other stuff, but the most important thing that we can do as a family every single night is pray together. When Satan's attacking me, I don't always make it downstairs. When I'm stressed, I disengage from that part of the night or I'm ready to go to bed. I'm getting myself ready for the evening. If I'm distracted, I'm upstairs and I'm watching football or I'm on my computer doing work. Whatever the case may be, when I am at my worst, when Satan is attacking me, I don't make it downstairs to pray with my family. And this is just one example, but if I could go on, I would say this. There are many moments in my life where I'm completely unsatisfied with my prayer. And it's the moments where I leave myself wide open to the attacks of the enemy. And maybe you're here this morning, you're thinking the same thing. Maybe your prayer life leaves much to be desired. Maybe for some of you, you know, your prayer is contingent on the seasons of life you're in. If you're in a good season, things are going well, you don't pray. Or maybe you only pray to God when things are falling apart, or vice versa. Maybe you grew up memorizing or citing prayers. So maybe you don't know how to pray, or you don't know what to say. Maybe, okay, I've been there. Maybe you think your words aren't fancy enough, so you just don't talk to God. Maybe you've had prayers go unanswered, so you think. So your prayers are are full of doubt. Or maybe you've just stopped praying all together. Maybe you have so many voices, so much noise in your life that you're distracted from prayer, whatever the case may be. When our prayer life becomes the weakness in our armor like it is mine, tell you this, that is exactly where Satan wants us to be. That is exactly where the enemy wants us to be because he knows, as it is written in the book of James, the prayer of a person Living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. I'm going to read that again. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. See, the enemy does not want us to pray. He actually wants us further from it. He knows that prayer has the power to tip the scales in our favor as we fight spiritual battles every single day. And so as we put on the full armor of God, We have to make sure that prayer is a priority in everything we do. In fact, prayer needs to be our first response. 
not our last resort. And I got to keep myself honest. This is not a new, this is not my own thought. Okay. This is not my thought. I can't not claim, uh, you know, that this is an original idea. In fact, this particular thought has kind of been gaining traction, right? Some steam over the, I don't say the last handful of years, I would say. There's not a week that goes by where I don't see some form or fashion of this pop up on my Facebook feed or uh, pop up on social media to some degree. But I believe it was said best and first by author, um, evangelist, and pastor Oswald Chambers. He said, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our, God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. So to win the battle against the enemy in our lives, prayer cannot just be an afterthought. Prayer cannot be just this novel idea. Prayer is not just something that you can leave downstairs at the end of the night. Prayer must be the first response in everything we do. And so today, as we wrap up our Everyday Armor series, I want to take a look at what we can do to make that possible to make it our first line of, of defense, our first response, a priority in our lives. But before we get there, I don't want to believe, or I don't want to assume that we're all operating with the same idea and understanding of prayer. And so depending on your story, I mean, you probably, depending on your story, you may have had somebody recite prayers to you, you may have somebody uh, pray for you, or you may have grown up and there was no sign of prayer in your home. So I don't want to assume that we all are, are operating with the same understanding. So I want to answer this simple question, Simple question of what is prayer? What is prayer? And to start off, simply put, prayer is our way of communicating with God. When there's nearly an endless amount of ways in which God can communicate with us, he communicates with us through the Bible. He communicates with us through music, right? Uh, he communicates with us through nature. You can go on a walk, you can go on a hike, and he can make himself known. Prayer is the primary means, though, in which we communicate with God in return. For instance, when you're reading the Bible and you get to a place and you're stuck, you're like, oh man, God, this is really challenging. What would you have me do with this? Guess what? That is a form of prayer. Or maybe when you're driving down the street and you're listening to worship music and you're singing along, regardless if it sounds good or bad, if it's me, it sounds pretty bad, that's still prayer. And God still hears it. Praying is just communicating with God. But if that's the case, if that's the heartbeat of prayer, then the question we ask ourselves is, what are we communicating? What do we communicate? Well, at the heart of it, through prayer, we declare our dependence on God. We declare our dependence on God. And I believe that there's a danger that we all face that we need to be aware of as we wake up every single day and fight spiritual battles. Because as we talked about last week, and as we've talked about for the last six weeks, spoiler alert, there's victory in the end. Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross we have victory over the enemy. But as we begin to put on the armor every single day and we start finding these little battle, or fighting these little victories, there's a danger where we become complacent or maybe we become reliant on our own power. We start claiming those victories as our own. But prayer is the antidote to depending on ourselves rather than depending on God. When we approach God and we communicate with him, bringing our praises and our requests to him, it allows us to put into perspective really and recognize him as the one who's truly powerful, right? God carries all the power. 
He's the one that is leading us into battle. He's the one that is winning those battles for us. And so when we pray, we declare that. When we pray, we're declaring that we are absolutely reliant on God and God's power as we face spiritual battles every single day. But now that we've answered the what's, right? We've got the the foundation set. The remainder of our time today, I want to focus on some of the hows, because if we know that prayer should be our first response, how can we begin making that a reality in our lives? And uh, one last time, will you turn with me to the passage of scripture that we've been in for the last two months? It is found in Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, and we're going to be reading all the way to verse 18. And as you make your way there, just to remind you that the book of Ephesians is a letter that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And as Paul comes to the end of his letter, it's important to note that his final thoughts deal with prayer. That's important. Why? It's because when you write a letter, when you write an email, when you write a speech, or maybe when you send a text, the thing you put at the very end, that is often the thing that people are going to remember. That's the thing that kind of often is easier to remember and it gets locked in their brain. And so I believe by using prayer at the very end of his letter, this is what Paul's doing. He's emphasizing emphasizing the importance of prayer by making it one of the last things he writes about so it can just stick in his audience's brain. But this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And for the last two months, we've been in those passages. But I want to focus on the next passage, that singular verse, which I believe Paul teaches us one of the most comprehensive teachings on prayer found in the Bible. And he simply says this, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And it's worth mentioning here that many translations of the Bible have verse 17 and 18 separated by a paragraph. We'll talk about that in just a moment, okay? What that connection is there. But just know that by no means is Paul saying that in addition, okay, in addition to the spiritual armor that we're just kind of just throw in prayer. That's not what he means. Those two thoughts are interconnected and interwoven. We're not supposed to just add prayer. The reality is, is, As we put on the armor, prayer is meant to be woven on every single piece we put on. So we arm ourselves with the belt of truth or the shield of faith. We put on the shoes. We must at the same time also engage in prayer if we're going to put that armor of God to full use and find success in battle. When you look at verse 18, the thing that immediately stands out is Paul's use of the word all. He uses all a few times there and I want to use those alls there that Paul uses to kind of help form our thoughts for the rest of the day. 
Because with those statements, the alls, he gives us a foundation of how we can form our prayer lives and how we can make sure that prayer is a priority woven into the armor that we put on every single day. And so when it comes to prayer, the first thing we should know is that we should never stop praying. We should never stop praying. And Paul says, pray in the spirit on all occasions. Here, Paul's instructing us to pray whenever there's an opportunity, which when you boil down to it is what? It's all the time. I know some of you might be thinking, that is not a super spiritually like groundbreaking idea, okay? It's not, I'll admit. But what we have to understand, the audience Paul was talking to, this, this church that was full of um, Christian Jews, Jewish believers, the idea of praying all the time was completely foreign to some. Go back to the Old Testament and you find out that the Jews, they were used to praying in specific times of the day. We read that uh, the prophet Daniel, he only prayed three times a day. We read that King David was known for praying in the evening, in the morning, and at noontime. And since the early church consisted of primarily Jewish believers, it's safe to say that that idea of praying three times a day was, was carried on until that time. But when you think about it and compare ourselves to the early Jews, we're not so different. We're not so different when it comes to our prayer lives. The thing is, for many of us, we grew up and we were taught and we still do only pray three times a day. Think about it. Pray for breakfast, pray for lunch, pray for dinner. Or we pray when we wake up, pray for one of the meals, maybe dinner, and we pray before we go to bed. Now, am I saying that that's wrong? Absolutely not. Do not hear me saying that. But what I would say is that it's a great place to start. It is a great place to start. You see, when Jesus came, he raised the bar of what our faith was to, to look like. And with that, uh, he really changed the consistency of what our prayer, li uh, prayer lives could look like. Uh, he taught in one particular uh, instance in the book of Luke, it tells us this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray. Always pray and not give up. And not give up. Notice that Jesus taught his disciples that they should always pray. That is the same exact teaching that Paul is picking up here in his, his letter to the church in Ephesus. When I read all of this, you may think to yourself, I think to myself, how do I do this? How does this happen in real life? Right? Because we're so used to praying with our heads bowed down, our eyes closed, and our arms, our, our hands folded. Right? How do we pray? How do we pray when, uh, yeah, we've got to be driving to work, okay? And I'll tell you this, I would really hope that if you are on the road anywhere near me, that your heads are not bowed and your arms are, you know, crossed and your eyes are closed. Please try, don't do that. Please save us, don't do that. But the question is, is how can we pray and communicate constantly with God if we've got to drive, if we've got to go to work and we've got to do anything productive at all? Simply put, learning to pray on all occasions, it's more of an attitude. It's more of an attitude and an awareness than it is a, a physical act. It's more about living our lives in a way where we are conscious of God in everything. And we are allowing him to speak to us. And we are speaking to him through every moment of the day. And in sense, prayer at the heart of it is communicating with God, right? Constantly communicating with God. That means there's no prescribed posture, no position or place where that can happen. So that means you can pray when you're driving. It means you can pray when you're on your way to work. You can pray when you're at work. You can pray right now. You can pray when you're talking to a friend. You can pray when you are being productive. You can pray more than just before you eat a meal. 
You can pray more than before you go to bed or when you wake up. We are called to pray all the time, but that's just the beginning. Because once we get into rhythm of praying all the time, then we can shift to what we should be praying about, which is when it comes to prayer, everything is on the table. Everything is on the table. And Paul says we are to pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. And if you look at it closely, you'll see that there's a little redundancy there. And so I'll claim, uh, explain that. Paul says to pray with prayers and requests. The first word prayer there essentially means it's praying to God for who he is. It's praying to God out of worship or adoration, which is just celebrating him for who he is and not what he's done. But on the other hand, that, that word requests comes from, well, in some of your translations, it might say supplication. That means to beg. That means to, to approach God with your specific needs, with urgency, asking him to just hear and hopefully receive. So what Paul says here, using those requests, he says that we should be praying to God for who he is, praying to God in thankfulness, praying to God in celebration of who he is, but then yes, we are also to approach God with every single one of our needs. Pray for health. Pray for your family. Pray for your jobs. Pray for provision. Pray for guidance. Pray for peace. Pray for the Vikings to win the Super Bowl, guys. I had to throw it in there. I'm not a Vikings fan, but yeah, go Vikings. Here's a good one. Pray for your pets. You know how many times growing up I was told, don't, pray, don't waste your time praying for your pets? Pray for your pets. Pray for your dogs. Pray for your cats. If you're like me, pray for your geckos and frogs. God wants us to approach him with all of our needs. But not only that, prayer is so important, so essential that we need to pray every type of prayer imaginable. Pray together. Pray in groups. Pray as individuals. Pray silently. Pray prayers of thanksgiving and praise. The idea here is that there's always something to pray about. There's all different types of ways we can pray. So there's no excuse to not pray. But the enemy, he will tell you there is a reason for why you should stop praying. One of the, the ways that I believe he uh, schemes against us most often is casting doubt to why we should pray when we feel like all hope is lost. Three years ago at a uh, member of our church, her name was Debbie, diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer. Her daughter called us while we were on vacation, told us that she only has a few weeks to live. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. So we told her that we'd rush home from our vacation, we'd be there at church on Sunday just so we could just pray for her. So we rushed back and that's what we did. After one of our services, uh, we um, called her up front and we had everybody in the church, kids included. We pulled them out of children's church we just all gathered around her, laid hands over her, and we just prayed every type of prayer imaginable. I'd like to tell you that God healed her on the spot, but that wasn't the case. A week later, I, find my, I found myself sitting next to her in the hospital, helping her process the reality that the doctor had said that she'd only had three days left to live, if that. In that moment, we could have given up hope. In that moment, we could have said, why bother? The enemy, he definitely was telling us that. But we kept praying. And at that point, we prayed nothing short of a miracle. I'd like to tell you that in that moment, God healed Debbie. But the three days turned to two days. We didn't give up. We still prayed. Those two days turned to one day. We didn't give up. We still prayed. We prayed, we prayed, and prayed. Till that one day turned to two days. The two days turned to a month. That month turned into two months, 
to where Debbie now has been living cancer-free for over a year. Yeah. That was good. And the doctors would say that it was nothing short of a miracle. She's still alive. Do not listen to the enemy. When life is at its darkest or when it seems like you have nothing left to give or things just can't get any better, he will tell you that your prayers just don't matter. He will tell you why bother. He will tell you give up. He would tell you that nothing matters. Again, this is where the words of Apostle Paul in one of his letters to the church offers more wisdom. He would tell us this to the church in Philippi. Do not be anxious. Even when you feel like your prayers are going unanswered, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the thing about prayers, it's like building up muscle memory. When you get into this rhythm of constantly communicating with God, praying all the time and praying for everything, you build that muscle up to the point where you're able to resist. You're able to resist the doubt and the distractions that may keep you from doing so. It almost becomes like second nature. However, there's something else that Paul teaches in his letter that will make sure that muscle memory is intact, that it's together. So while we should be praying all the time, praying about all things, Paul would say, make sure that you're standing guard. But you're standing guard for each other. He tells us, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We've already touched upon a little bit the idea of keeping on praying. But I want to focus here, really focus on the concept of what it looks like to be alert in prayer. See, before Paul brings it up here, Jesus first connected this idea of prayer and standing guard. The night that he was arrested, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying. You know what he told his disciples? He said, stand guard, hang out, keep watch. But they did the complete opposite. You know what they did? They fell asleep, right? They, they fell asleep. And so in response, this is what Jesus would say. He'd say, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In this context, Jesus was encouraging his disciples to pray against the ways the enemy might tempt us to sin. But as it relates to our conversation today, it's important for us to be on guard for the ways that the enemy will tempt us, distract us, and pull us away from prayer. As I, I, I mentioned before, when things seem beyond changing, he will tempt you to think that your prayers just don't matter. He'll cast doubt in your life. And when we tend to picture prayer as something that we do with our eyes closed, our heads bowed and our you know, hands crossed or folded, let you know a little secret. Nowhere in scripture is that posture ever, ever recorded. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to bow our heads, cross our eyes and close our, uh, close our eyes and cross our heads, bow our, yeah, all that stuff. Not once. The early Jews that Paul was talking to, you know how they prayed? They prayed with their eyes wide open, their arms lifted to heaven. And in the theme of our series, no soldier is going to close their eyes on the battlefield. No soldier is going to turn their back. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying if someone asks you to bow your head and close your eyes, yes, be respectful and listen. But I'm just saying, Paul and, and Jesus here are both telling us, giving us a reason for why we should stand on guard. Keep alert so we can stand against the enemy's attacks. And so as we build up that muscle memory, praying all the time in all things, we must be alert and pray. But also given the context of today's passage, it's clear that Paul is really talking about a, uh, I would say, a, an others 
focus. And others' type of focus of being alert here. Simply put, he's encouraging us to be mindful of the needs of the people around us. But thinking of the scope of what type of prayer Paul's encouraging us to do, I don't think he's thinking specifically about the physical needs. Paul is calling us to, to pray for the spiritual needs as well. So when someone you know is in battle against a serious illness, yes, pray for their healing. But also pray that they will find peace through the entire process. They will find peace through the, all the, the doctor's visits and all the treatments. With Debbie, yes, we prayed. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed for a miracle. But we also prayed that she would have peace throughout it all. When someone is struggling relationally with a spouse or friend, yes, pray for reconciliation. Pray for that relationship to be mended, but also pray for mercy and a grace to abound in the situation. When someone you know is struggling financially, pray for provision, absolutely. But also pray that they will trust God with what they do have. Simply put, it just can't be about the physical needs. We have to pray for the spiritual ones as well because the enemy, he attacks us from both sides. When our prayers become multidimensional like this, just know that it continues to develop our, I would say, dependency on God. See, there's one common denominator that connects verse 17 and 18 together, like I, like I shared earlier, earlier. There, Paul tells us to pray in the spirit, to pray in the spirit. What does that mean? To pray in the spirit simply means to pray in a way that is consistent with the sword of the spirit, which as we talked about last week is the word of God. Word of God is where God reveals himself to us. It's where he makes himself known. So praying in the spirit is praying in a way that is consistent with the nature and the will of God. And so what that means is there are going to be time, there are going to be times when God doesn't physically heal the person we're praying for. There's going to be times when people's relationships, they're not mended. People still get torn apart. Finances may not get better. In that moment, the enemy is going to tell you why bother. The enemy is going to tell you to stop praying. You know what God's going to say? Pray again. Pray again. Because while it's our will to see and search and be inclined to look for the physical results, just know that it's always God's will to bring about the spiritual results of our prayer. So as we pray all the time, pray for everything and pray for each other, making our first response, we ultimately declare our dependence on God when we pray for God's will to be done. Because it is God's will that is what's best for us. It is God's will that is perfect and it is his will that we would stand victorious against the enemy together. For the past few weeks, Prairie Heights, you've been doing just that. Through our prayer wall, you have been standing on guard for one another. You've armored up. You've stepped onto the battlefield and you're fighting with one another. And you want to know what? Oh, the enemy's terrified. Satan is trembling in his boots. He's terrified of what we can do because we are committed to prayer. It's because his preacher and author Charles Spurgeon would say, I love this, a prayerful church is a powerful church. I'll say it again, a prayerful church is a powerful church. And, I, and this morning, I want to encourage all of us in that reality. 
when we pray for one another, we are at our absolute best. But not only that, be encouraged by the fact that you are not alone. None of us here this morning are alone in fighting our spiritual battles. None of us. As Paul reminds us here, we've got the Lord's people, us, each other, praying for us and praying with us. So even though we are wrapping up our series, keep on standing guard. Keep on standing guard in prayer for each other. Stay united in prayer. Pray with each other. Pray for each other, knowing that we are all fighting this battle together. That's a reassuring thought. I don't know about you guys, but I do not want to go into battle by myself. And this morning, we're going to be taking communion together in recognition of this truth, this reality, this fact. If you're not familiar with the heartbeat of communion, it's the way us, the Lord's people, celebrate and declare and remember what Christ accomplished on the cross. That he died on the cross, but he rose again from the grave. We celebrate through that, that we find freedom in sin, but today we take communion and we remember and we celebrate the fact that because of what Christ accomplished on the cross and through the grave, we find victory in the spiritual battles we face every single day. But also know this, when Christ went to the cross, when he walked through the grave, he didn't just do that for the individual. He did that for every single one of us. He did that for every single one of us so that we together can claim victory in the battles we face against the enemy. So make prayer a priority. Never stop praying. Pray for all things Stand on guard for one another and pray that God's will be done because it is God's will that we would stand victorious together. Before we take communion, I want to kind of just give us some simple instructions. Uh, we do have a gluten-free option available. Please, ra please raise your hand and uh, during this portion of the song, one of our ushers will make their way around you and make sure you got that. Uh, we do use non-alcoholic grape juice and no pressure, no pressure. You do not have to be a member of Prairie Heights to take communion. The one requirement is that you would put your faith in Jesus. So some of you may be visiting from town. If you attend another church, that's fine. Take communion, let's do it together. But at the heart of it, no pressure. And we're gonna spend some time in a song before, uh, hold on to the, the, uh, the elements. You can prepare them for when we take them together. But during this portion of the song, I would encourage you to be in prayer. Be in prayer and be in reflection of what God might be teaching you, be telling you about not just prayer, but all the pieces of armor that we are called to wear. Ask God what it is that you would have to do in response to today for tomorrow as we fight these spiritual battles every single day. And so you can prepare the cups and I'll come back up here and we'll take them together. Oh my. 
stand with me the night that Christ was arrested and make his way to the cross he sat at a table with 12 of his closest friends and he knew what was in their heart he knew what every single one of them was facing a spiritual battle one of them betrayed him one would deny him one of them would really doubt that he's resurrected. But together they would all flee, scatter, leave, and hide. But Christ still gave his life so they would find victory over those battles and victory over the enemy. So here we are generations later as the Lord's people celebrating what Christ has done. He died and rose again for the salvation and freedom of our sins, but he died and rose again so we could be victorious together. So Christ, he lifted up the cup, or lifted up the bread. He broke it and he gave thanks. And he told his disciples, eat of the bread in remembrance of me, so together we take. And then he lifted the cup. He said, this represents my blood that would be spilt for you. Spilt from freedom over sin and victory over the battles we face together. So in remembrance of that, we take together. 
Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for sending your son to this earth to live a life like us, to find victory over the temptations that the enemy threw his way so that we, through his death and resurrection, that we would find victory as well. So we thank you for the body. We thank you for the blood that was broken and spilled for us. So together today, we can stand and declare victory in your name over whatever we're facing, God. Today, we have victory in your name. So I pray as we wear the armor that we would just be committed to making prayer the first thing we do. That we would make prayer a priority, that we would pray for all things, all the time, to stand on guard and have your will be done and your will is victory. And we thank you for that. And together we say, amen. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thank you for listening.